and welcome to Polly Pages. Books. <laughs> the podcast where genuine Polly people read the texts that have shaped our community and culture. I'm Claire. And I'm Sebastian. And on this season, we're reading The Ethical Slut, third edition, by Janet Hardy and Dossie Easton. Today, we are on chapter three, Our Beliefs. So where are you at the moment? As in, in the world? In the world. Um, I am in my apartment in Boston. Oh my god, me too. Whoa. <laughs> oh, there you are. <laughs> so this will Okay. So as always, we, haven't, we have read they, this separately, and today we're going to do a close and critical reading of this chapter. So what did you think about the chapter in general? Um, I liked it. Also, I, I have it, a beer in this episode. Me too. Mm. Cheers. Um, yeah, I thought it was... It, I think this is the first chapter that really starts diving more into um, like the realities of being poly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the first two talk a lot about sort of overarching things in society. And this is the first one we start talking about... How to do the poly. How, how, to, how to poly. How to poly. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, when I was reading it, and I've already said this to you, even though we're not meant to discuss it for the podcast, but we, I was saying, I think that I wish you had read this chapter, because I was obviously there for your journey of mm-hmm. becoming poly, or coming out as poly, or however you, we want to phrase it. However we can call that what I did. And I think this particular chapter would have been really helpful. And I'm going to explain why as we go through it. So, to begin with... Yeah, let's, just, let's just dive in. Let's dive in. Okay, so, at the very beginning um basically this chapter seems to be talking about the beginnings talk about some of the ethics of Mm -hmm. how you structure being polyamorous and Mm non-monogamous and they say straight off the bat that just because you're a slut quote unquote ding ding air quotes air quotes ding 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 ding. need like a buzzer but just because you're a slut doesn't mean that you disregard other people's um like emotions um we want to mm-hmm. be respectful even though we are practicing something that is maybe socially less accepted mm-hmm. um and obviously this then means that there are some challenges they, i like this bit where they say we don't have a polyamorous miss manners telling us how to do <laughs> our things courteously yeah. which i love that idea yeah. i don't know what that would look like but hopefully it's some coming sort- to television one day yeah I'm sure. in full technicolor this, a, this will be Polly Miss Manners. Uh, oh, okay. No. Me? Yeah. I, I want it to be like some, um, I don't know, morphed version of the 50s housewife, but like not on Xanax. I think that would be, that'd be fun. Mm. Um, and so they begin to talk about how, how many they have in this first bit. One, two, three, four, five. Five kind of core tenants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see that you've circled the first one. And the second and the and third. The... <laughs> but the first one is consent. Consent is important. Consent obviously is important. And I know they have a whole chapter on it later. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to suggest that we put a pin in it. But they are mentioning it now. Mm-hmm. Saying obviously we believe an active collaboration for the benefit, mm-hmm. well-being and pleasures of all persons concerned. And I did find it very interesting that they include being ignored as being not consensual. So if someone's being coerced, bullied, blackmailed, manipulated, lied to, I understand why that would affect consent. But I think being ignored is a is an interesting addition, mm. and I wonder if they're going to unpick it later. Did, did you pick up on that? No, I actually had to just look now and see ignored. But yeah. 
I think, like, consent is already a tricky thing when you're just two people, if you're in a monogamous relationship, or just a single relationship, even if you're poly. Mm -hmm. And when you start having multiple people involved, like, consent is typically between two people. But, like, it, it, well, that's true, it's not always... Yeah, just side eye guys. You can't see the side eye, but it was there. I mean, unless three people are there at the same time. But consent, when there's multiple people involved in multiple relationships, the way that those overlap and intermingle. Yeah, it, it, I suppose. I can see how, like, some I, of these things yeah. are. I was thinking about this in a very immediate sexual way, but given the next section, maybe. Mm. I don't know. We, I think we should come back to the consent issue because yeah. we're gonna I know we're going to do a whole episode on I feel like episode. it's going to keep popping up and we'll hit little bits and then... Yeah. But the, the next section. one you also highlighted, which is my favorite part, it's being honest. Honest, honest mm. with Most ourselves important. and others. And this is why I thought it would be really helpful for people that are coming into being poly because it puts a lot of emphasis on figuring out your own emotions and motivations and then openly sharing that information with those who need it. So it's like a two-stage process of being honest. You'd be honest mm-hmm. with yourself first and then mm-hmm. honest with other people. Whereas mm-hmm. I think typically people, especially if, the, if they've been in mainly monogamous relationships, they think about being honest as telling the other person the things that they do and not necessarily telling the other person maybe their motivations and their emotions. That's seen as an excuse. Mm. And there also isn't the same emphasis as we have in our relationship, for example, where it's like, you don't have to tell me every little thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, go away, think about it, and then come back and tell me the relevant information. That's yeah. honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I don't have much to add on that. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're mostly on the same page with that. But I think that that two-step mm-hmm. thing is really, really helpful. I think it's mm-hmm. helpful for everyone in all their lives. Yeah. I think something people struggle with a lot is being honest with oneself yeah it can it can be easier to be honest with somebody else because like it doesn't require as much introspection like being honest with yourself like you can't there's nowhere to hide there's nowhere to hide like you're you're you so yeah and i think the whole process if if there's anybody like for example that was listening to this and reading along i think this whole process of of maybe opening up one's either relationship or themselves to Mm -hmm. a non-monogamous slash polyamorous lifestyle Mm mm-hmm it requires a lot of introspection and honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the next one. I, and that honesty out. is important for the third one, which yeah. is recognizing the ramifications. It says of our sexual choices, but you could... I think of everything. You could, you could, I think, and I would say you should expand that to all aspects of your relationship. Yeah, and um, that includes recognizing the conflict that our choices, either sexual or relationship might bring into other people's mm-hmm. um, lives mm-hmm. and just being honest and honorable in dealing with those ramifications mm-hmm. can you think of a time that's happened maybe a real life example can i think of a, a real life example of recognizing the ramifications of our of our, our actions? sexual choices or our actions i don't know i can't well maybe if we come up with one we'll have to come back to it yeah okay i mean um, then the last two that they, they put, which I think are kind of similar, is being able to respect people's feelings. Mm-hmm. So just like if they're being honest with themselves mm-hmm. and with you, you respect them even when when they they might be about that conflict, even if they're hard to hear, respecting that, mm-hmm. that 
the person has those emotions. Mm -hmm. And of course, if we aren't sure, asking them, <laughs> which would, again, have been very helpful yeah. in the early poly life of you, Sebastian. Yes, well, I'm not great at feelings. <laughs> You're great at feelings now. I'm, now. Um, but <laughs> With I think, this book of health. <laughs> yeah, could have. I, some things I think you also have to figure out through practice. But this book might have helped frame some of it for mm. me. Um, I mean, I also think it's important being respectful of other feelings. Um, like, for me, for example, I'm not great at opening up sometimes. So I appreciate that when I do, even if it's... I haven't fully processed it, for example, or maybe something that we disagree on or we feel differently about you're still very respectful of hearing me out and understanding where i'm coming from yeah because it's a core tenet of being an ethical slut which well, i now retroactively am fitting to all my previous behavior yes not just <laughs> disclaimer i have never read this book obviously <laughs> um and the last one is owning your own feelings so if you are feeling they say specifically territorial and jealous which i'm guessing are common emotions that they will pick apart a little bit later <laughs> But whatever they are, once you've done the work of being honest with yourself, mm -hmm. own those feelings mm -hmm. and know from that the difference of what you can change and what you should change and the mm -hmm. things that you can't and, and shouldn't try mm -hmm. and change. So mm -hmm. I have so much to say on jealousy. I feel like there'll be a section on jealousy. I think there might be too, she says, looking at the contents page. Do you want to take the yeah. next bit? Uh, rethinking sex? Oh, yeah, you like this one. Because it's come up before, like, the redefining of that word. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like the way they, they frame the beginning part of this, like, the, the first line is, are you having sex right now? Yes, you are, and so are we. Oh, my God. I want to point out that we're not. We are not having not. sex right this Though, this technically, time. by this definition, we could be. Kind of are. And I'm gonna be too. honest with you. I didn't actually like this section because what? I thought it was so hippy dippy trippy. It, it is well, it is a little bit. I mean, I don't quite. They're like, oh, you're having sex with us because you're reading the book. I'm like, why don't you explain it bit by bit so that the the people yeah, that we're jumping understand? Ahead. Yeah. So they talk about like sexual energy pervades. While I drink this beer. Cheers. Um, well, sexual energy pervades everything, and I think in this in the same way that they're trying to redefine the word word slut they're trying to redefine that sex isn't just like getting it in I, I don't have a better way like they're like like there's a lot of different things <laughs> and different types of intimacy that to different people in different mindsets mm -hmm. can can fit into that word depending on how you look at it um and they they've like erotic energy and yeah that that's feelings. the bit that i found a bit this Okay, to read directly from the book. Yeah, I'm... We think erotic energy is everywhere in the deep breath that fills our lungs really as we step out into the warm spring morning in the cold water spilling over the rocks in a brook in the creativity that drives us to paint pictures and tell stories and make music and blah, blah, blah. Like, it just is... It, it, I don't know. Maybe I'm too British for that. <laughs> I, I just... To me, like, what I take from this is, like, the sex has this big tie to intimacy and connection. Um... And there's a lot of other things that, that can give you that or different or other types of equally powerful intimacy and connection. Um, and depending on different people, that can be a lot of different things. That could be playing board games or like brushing your hair or going for a walk or... 
you know, so many things. So I, do, I take I from do that. I do like that they link this section a little bit, at least in my reading of it, to exploration. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they, again, to read from the book, they said, we found that the more we learn about sex, the less we know how to define it. And I do think that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, in the periods of my life where I've been having, for example, um, only homosexual sex, obviously it's been a process of also of like questioning what you call that yeah um and uh obviously there's asexual acts of intimacy mm-hmm. um which are called asexual but by this definition would still be sexual right. i think that's part of it um and so i understand that i don't know if there's a need to expand the term of sex to be so all-encompassing personally Fine. They'll have to agree to disagree on that because they end up with this definition that sex is whatever people engaging in it think it is, which is valid. I mean, I don't have a problem with that, but obviously there might be then things that we're engaging in as an example that that by this definition would be sex, but I wouldn't think of as mm-hmm. that'd be sexual in nature, maybe. In the nature of a cold, babbling stream over a brook <laughs> with the rocks yeah, and the warm someone. Okay, let's, let's move just move on. on. <laughs> okay, so the you next section one. was denial versus fulfillment. And I think it makes a very. Um, well, it starts off going back to. Is it Darcy? Darcy. Nailed it. <clears throat> so Darcy is one of the authors, and she, she started with her bachelor's thesis, which I thought was quite, quite a. Um, would have been quite a long time ago, but I think it's still relevant now, which has the crazy title of Sex is Nice and Pleasure is Good for You. Wait, what? I know. Shocker. I know. Um, it's good for you. Um, and uh, I think that this is an interesting point. So even if you personally don't find sex to be nice at this moment in your life, mm-hmm. you'd be hard-pressed to say that it would be bad for what they call shame-free access to all sorts of consensual sex would be bad for the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are plenty of people that would say that that would be very bad for the world. But right. we are not two of those people. No. no. Um, so if they very, you know, she wrote that in the 1970s and I feel like it's very relevant now. Mm-hmm. Um, they mentioned that our culture places a very high value on self-denial. And I think that that was, I, I thought that was really interesting because mm-hmm. I think that's really true. You have these puritanical values that mm. lead to self-loathing and hatred yeah. of our bodies and therefore our turn-ons and fear and guilt over our sexual urges mm-hmm. and i know that those are those are feelings that have been expressed to me by partners but i have to admit i've never had that mm. i never had that that um maybe i just don't buy into the self-denial the value of self-denial mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's quite a short section where they're basically mm-hmm. just espousing that sex and intimacy are vital for a person's sense of self-worth. Yeah. And I just kind of like generally good. And I guess it didn't need a long section because it no. seems pretty obvious. Well, and it, I mean, the next section, like these sections sort of run together, which the next one goes right into, you don't need a reason, which I yeah. think is a, it's a good point. Like, sort of... Pleasure um, is a complete and worthwhile goal in and yeah. of itself. That's and, it. yeah, so... Mm. I mean, they do um, talk here a, bit, a little bit about how obviously sex can be used to abuse, like can be abused. Right, and it can have it can pleasure be, can be abused. Yeah, it can have negative consequences. Right, but fundamentally, 
like most thing things, itself, it's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's even even chocolate can be abused. Yes. Even familial connections can be violated. Mm-hmm. But the thing itself, the pleasure itself, sexual pleasure, mm-hmm. the nature of it is is at its all good, and therefore you do not need another reason. Mm-hmm. As they say in the next section, these are very short sections, mm-hmm. right? And they all tie together. They so do. We can sort of keep um, them. Love and sex are the end, not the means. Yeah. Um, so. This is another um, another sort of picking apart of the sort of standard of mon- they call it monogamy centrist culture, um, and this idea that the ultimate goal of a relationship and sex is lifelong pair bonding, um, and the further idea that if any relationship doesn't attain those things, it has by definition failed. Um, and pointing out, <laughs> sorry. sorry, there's a little smirk there. Yeah, I think um, it's ridiculous. I, I, that, yeah. that would make me really sad because it would that mean that any relationship that you've ever had that's not going to last forever right. is just like a waste of your time. Yeah. And clearly, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, by almost by, I don't know why anyone would ever think that because it seems so self obvious to me, right. self evident. Right. But yeah, I was listening I to a podcast today that had Christopher Smith in it. No, okay, he's this, um, he's this uh, polyamorous advocate. Ad- mm-hmm. Advocate? Is that how you say that word? Yeah. Advocate. Oh, of course, he's so different. <laughs> but he says love. something like, um, a long relationship is not necessarily a healthy relationship. Yeah. And I think that this this idea that lifelong pair bonding is mm-hmm. the central tenant, it's not only like, kind of sad because it means anything that's not that is useless right. it's also kind of dangerous because yeah. then it means that you're willing to give up so much mm-hmm. to keep a relationship going past right. maybe it's natural i don't know expiration date or yeah. past a moment Other. where it really should have been aligned that's been crossed like yeah. maybe even into abuse or yeah. into at least being toxic and bad for you and i that would make me really sad i mm-hmm. think all relationships yeah. have the potential to teach us and move us yeah, um, I mean they, they yeah. I'm, every relationship, I mean it's also especially because in, in this sort of, um, what's the word, Mon- narrative. This narrative. Okay. This narrative, like, it's really specifically looking at sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. It's like taking this this one thing, and I think that's part of the reason why I'm sort of redefining, re- like, having different ways of looking at sex is good because. That's the only type of relationship where that is true. Like you can have lots of, you can have many different long-term friends and different, all different types of relationships. And those can all be, they can be valuable and they can come and they can go and that's fine. Mm. But there's this very specific in like intimate romantic relationships, especially from a monogamous centric view that, uh, Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's that the only correct attainment of said relationship is if it um if it goes on forever otherwise it's failed whereas plenty of relationships can go on and then reach their natural ending point as many relationships in other areas do i mean when i was growing up i i don't know when i first heard this but have you heard this or it's like i don't know you, you get married and then the sex just dies that sounds really awful but did you like is this something that's just kind of like no, permeated into your your consciousness about yeah. sex is like that's everyone goes on and sows wild oats and then they pick one person and they never have sex again but yeah. procreation 
and um, yeah that's a that's a sort of trope in, mm-hmm. okay so good that trope is shared by both europe and and mm-hmm. america and it's a really really shit yeah. don't stay in a relationship yeah. where intimacy especially has has left mm. i think not necessarily sex there's loads of reasons to right. to you know yeah to to leave a relationship and i'm not saying people should leave a relationship yeah. just because sex isn't there anymore but if intimacy has gone i just i feel like it's okay for that yeah. relationship to to mm. you know come yeah. to a come to an ending point and that doesn't mean it was bad mm. I mean, and relationships can also I think there's also this idea of I mean relationships can also evolve like that part of a relationship can end that doesn't mean I mean some relationships end badly and you move on and mm-hmm. and you can also have a, a relationship that just ends you know if you don't tie all of that into what a relationship means a relation can reach its natural ending point of that part and you can still have all of that shared experience and other aspects of it like tying all of this together into Linking it all together, like, puts all these boundaries and it puts all these pressures um, on stuff. There's a whole chapter on boundaries I oh. just checked. Cool. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, like, this pre-definition of what a relationship is. Okay, I really anyway. like the next section. Cool. Okay. Uh, it like... is literally one paragraph long. And the title says it all. Yeah, and it basically says, you're already whole. Mm-hmm. The only thing in this world that you can control is yourself. Your own reactions, desires, and behaviors. And a fundamental step in this whole process is sort of knowing your mm-hmm. integrity, being able to complete yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is so, just a really beautiful sentiment. And I don't think that's poly specific, and I don't think it's something that poly people have ownership over. But I am, I'm really glad that they gave it a nod in this. And I'm, sh- I'm, really they have their second mm-hmm. vignette on this is entirely dedicated to that so we'll right. circle back yeah i like it cool so abundance okay how would you define abundance how would i define abundance yeah. because that's uh, yeah i don't i mean i'm okay, gonna define so... like a dictionary word like that there's like too much of something like more than a, more than enough of something, or there's no risk of something. Okay. Running so the out. central tenant in this section is starvation economy, and it's this idea that some things mm-hmm. are finite, mm-hmm. and so we're all going around operating on this belief that we there's a limited amount of it in the world, and we have to kind of like fight mm-hmm. or coerce or whatever to get as much of it as possible, and it. Um, it's kind of bred, the, the authors are saying, it's bred from parents who maybe give you insufficient affection or attention. Like, it's, you have competitive siblings. Um, you maybe, like, begin to see sex as something that someone's only going to give to, like, five people. So mm-hmm. you need to be one of those five people. <laughs> right. Um, and these... This breeds a culture which is, like, very false. Like, the underlying premise is very false, and then it breeds mm-hmm. this very unhealthy culture. And actually, even though things like time, which I can see you've underlined as well. Time is a... Time, time is a finite resource. You only have so much time. And, oh, my God, there are so many podcasts dedicated... Side note, there are so many podcasts dedicated to how to time manage poly relationships. You need a Google Calendar. Yeah, you need a Google Calendar. I mean... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm somebody with six calendars on my phone, and one of them is purely so that I can put dates and other miscellaneous life things on there, so that I remember. That doesn't surprise me. I really me. do. You're such a, a technophile, is that, like yes. a lover of technology. That's me. Um, but there are like so many resources available, and um, I, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that we'll yeah. we'll come back and cover it when we're talking about um, right. Well, I would just about making agreements and opening an existing relationship. They they do mention it there, but yeah. um, so time is a finite resource. That's fine. Right. But love, intimacy, sex, you don't really run out of it. It's not like you hit fifty and you're like, I've run out of, right. I've run out of fucks. I can give no more fucks. As much as I love to say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's like, it's, it's just not, not like not it's true. like if I have sex, then like that's it. Like. Like, it's not something that runs out in that sense. And I think it, a lot of this comes back to what we talked about in our in the last episode about, like, thinking of this transactionally and, like, a like a commodity. Yes. Um, yeah, you're it's, right. It, it's it, not... The commodification of, especially female sex. I just want to, like, say this. Like, you're, you self-identify as a man. I do. And you're also biologically male. So. I have both of those things. Yeah. So, but as a, I think as a woman, thinking about sex transactionally is, like, hardwired into you so it's almost like we would kind of benefit as a gender if we starved the sex right down so it was of a higher value almost yeah because then if men had to do more to get sex then we could have more control um which is like a very capitalist way of thinking about your body but i I mean from talking to other people like that is a thing that people do that is a thing people people do do that hmm Sorry, sip of beer, but I do want to jump in there and be like, we're not talking about sex work. We're talking yes, about a societal, talking... like a pervasive right. societal... Yeah, like, um, like relationship sort of, man, not, I don't want to say manipulation, but sort of... Yeah, no, I even, think... I mean, even in a relationship, like commodifying sex to get something out of... Yeah. To get I mean, something for it. I think it's... Uh, when we talk about transactional sex being, being maybe not uh, true or not good, we're not talking about specifically sex workers because power to you... Like, yeah, that's I mean, that's a completely valid profession. Yeah. Um, but um, when we, what they're talking about in this section mm-hmm. is very much more of a sociologically engineered mm-hmm. false economy, which once you start to question the premise of it, you're able to live in abundance. Um, and that's really lovely. Yeah. They have something in here in, in, air, in actual quotes, love muscles. Um, but if you got to exercise your love muscles, like if you, if you love more people, <laughs> like isn't that make it better um and i would say from sort of personal experience can i share a personal experience yeah i mean it's our podcast we can do whatever we want right (laughs) no but i was you know this like sort of like scarcity of sex or like the idea that like if if you have sex with somebody like that's going to limit it for other people in my experience i've seen almost the opposite if that makes sense like that doesn't necessarily if you're not worrying about those things like sometimes like your partner were to go and like see somebody else they might come back and actually be more like like there's so many things that feed into that like mm-hmm. we talk about sex building confidence or whatever and and mm-hmm. all these things like if you're not worried about negative implications like you can have a lot of positive implications on everybody's self-confidence yeah. and mood actually and... that reminds me of a conversation we were having at the bagel shop yesterday so american that sounds so american <laughs> at the bagel shop i was getting a gluten-free bagel yeah and then we went to a sex shop afterwards. It was yeah. a good day. It was a good day. It was a good day. It was a really good bagel. 
it was a very good bagel. But when we were talking outside, we were talking about um, how I often just might look at somebody who I don't know mm-hmm. and would probably never interact with, maybe just on the street. Mm. And it would not even necessarily be an attraction thing. And I just kind of said, sometimes I just look at people and I just wonder, like, what they would be like in the bed or, like, how they would sound at the point of climax. And it's very, it's a very natural curiosity that I don't feel bad about or anything. Mm. And you actually said that prior to, well, I don't want to say prior to me, but prior to me, <laughs> um, <laughs> that you you would get, that you wouldn't, you would never have the confidence to necessarily go up to somebody and be like, hey, I want to, like, I want to get to know you. Yeah. I want to see your body. I want to make I a connection with you. I probably wouldn't say that you. to somebody directly. You know that I mean? might be a strong come on from a, a Yeah, it would be man. kind of strange, but... Um, Maybe not unwelcome, depending on the person. That's true. Um, but now you were saying like, but now you do. And I think that that is part of, like, mm-hmm. it goes directly against the starvation economy. Yeah. Like, surely if you only have six pickup lines, you can only use them annually. Mm-hmm. Then you have to be really, really careful with who you're selecting instead of mm-hmm. just having the confidence to go up to somebody and be like, hey, I want to get to know you. Let's go and have coffee or whatever. Yeah. Okay, right. This all ties into the final last section here. All right. Openness can be the solution, not the problem. Oh boy. This is this is um this, this is, is not long enough. This part is not this long is enough. Really this is like two short paragraphs. Oh, it's not. Okay. So this whole section is about um what like outside partners can increase the intimacy on primary partners by reducing the pressures on that relationship. And I do know that they have a whole section on opening a closed relationship mm-hmm. up. And I'm sure they revisit this. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what did you think about about that sentiment? That was, I mean, we just said this. We just said it. <laughs> or we just talked about this earlier today mm-hmm. in a different conversation we were having. But, like, you were... Wait, which conversation? Uh, when we were, we were out and we were talking about, like, other partners and stuff. But, like... If, if you're not being able to have multiple partners and multiple different types of relationships for different reasons takes pressure off of one person to provide everything in a relationship. Yeah, and I, again, I was, sorry, I was just listening to Christopher Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google Christmas polyamory if you want to know more about him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on Normalizing Non-Monogamy podcast. It's a great mm-hmm. podcast, go and listen to it. Um, and he said that, you know, he wouldn't, what did he say? He said something like, oh, you might want to be something for everyone, but you have this realization that you can't. Right. Um, and I dispute that, Christmas. I don't want to be something, I don't want to be everything for someone. That sounds like an awful lot of pressure. Right. I'm really happy just being enough right. for me and then right. being part of someone else's life right. and right. then making sure that then that takes the pressure off me. You can go off and find someone else to fulfill other things. Like, I don't particularly, you know, want to cook. I don't enjoy Fact. cooking. <laughs> Facts. I like cooking. Choices, okay? I have better things to do with my yeah. time. But this... Um, but, like, you might find that a really intimate act. And under the definition they have in this, might even be a sexual act. Um, so go and yeah. find someone to do that, babe. Let's do it. And then I can just... I, I can eat the food. I, I know. <laughs> but that goes back to the that <laughs> earlier one like you're already whole like 
you, you shouldn't be trying to be somebody for somebody else. You should be trying to be you. Oh, it sounds exhausting. Can you imagine? Um, um, you be you, and then that however you fit into somebody else's life as yourself yeah. is what, what you should do. And if somebody, for some people like that, that could be enough. And if you can find multiple people that all fit together, whether as a group or like as different branches, then that's that's good too. Then you can get different yeah. things from different people. Um, in the times that I've had to explain polyamory to new people now that I've reached the point where I can do that in my so life. Proud of you. you know, I, I, I take it back again. Sometimes I relate it to other types of relationships. Like you have different types of friendships for different things. Why, in, you know, why, why do you need to have one best friend who you're not following? Right, you, right. Why do you need to have, like, you have all sorts of different types of relationships that bring different things. Why would... That's actually really interesting because I realize that the way that I structure my relationships mm-hmm. um, is that usually you you guys don't know each other, or and also females, or, um, <laughs> non-gendered people, agendered people. But it, my point is that usually you don't know of the other partners it just is the way that i seem to structure my relationships and as you say this to me i'm realizing it's also kind of the way that i structure many of my friendships Mm -hmm. like i have friends that are all over the world who don't necessarily know each other Mm -hmm. um and it would be interesting to bring them all into one space and i never really thought about it like that but Mm -hmm. actually that's really similar to the way that i happen to structure just innately my relationships tend to be very geographically spread out with little interaction with there have been exceptions but like little interactions with one another mm-hmm. so that's a really good point i never thought about it like that mm-hmm. okay so you close up this chapter by saying um we have a, a, a vignette oh yeah but first of all they close the chapter by encouraging oh. you to explore your own realities and create your own legend which i like i am mm. my own legend i am the legend. legendary polyamorous miss manners mm. that's my legend it's here that's um, here Okay, right, this vignette is really, really lovely and quite short, and it's called On Love. And did you want to give your overview of this, and then I'll give mine? No, you can go first. I went first on before. All right. Go for it. Okay, so they, basically this vignette is encouraging you to learn to love yourself. It is a heavily self-love orientated Mm. text. And I actually wrote at the top of it, we are the self-love generation. And then I put three hearts. Um, (laughs) And um, uh, and they're talking about the different ways that you can love yourself. Like if if we take everyone else out of the equation, there's a question of being self-nurturing in hard times and enabling yourself to take time. Like they talk about maybe making homemade soup or spending time with reading or going for a walk, which I do every day. Um, and really, you like using that as a metaphor, I think, to talk about the types of ways that we can love other people. Um, so if that's like, if you're going to spend all that time discovering self-love, mm-hmm. then you're going to be better at loving other people. And, um, and also to not be scared of the L, the L word, like to use it, mm-hmm. use it for anything that inspires it. Yeah. And then they end by just saying, imagine how you'd feel if all the people you cared about made you, made the practice of telling you so. Mm-hmm. Go and do that. Which yeah. is such a lovely way to end it. It's like, imagine if everyone that you care about came to you in a day and was like, hey, I care about you too. Mm-hmm. you can actually make that reality I do have a couple of other things to say but 
I'll let you give your... Yeah, I mean, I, I largely agree. Um, I think that there should just be generally more love of all kinds in the world and that all love is good and should be shared with each other. Um, I have a, a friend who always, who would say, you know, especially in sort of platonic and friendshipy and other relationships, like you should still tell people you love them and that you care about them. Um, and... Oh, I'm just writing my, my thoughts so no. I don't interrupt you. Um, and you've said something to me several times, which I always appreciate, which is there's only two times to tell somebody you love them. Yeah. When you feel it or too late. Is that how you phrase it? That is exactly how I phrase I know. it. It's really cute that you remember that. You're so sweet. Okay. But it's but true. There's it's that true, moment like... that strikes you. And then if you don't say it at right. that moment because society says it's too early or because this person is or because you're my old friend you don't want to give the wrong yeah. signals or whatever yeah. the moment that 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 has passed it's too it's late different. and that's sad and so just I say think, it when the moment's straight yeah and i think we're all afraid of this world it has so many implications now like people read so much into it or what it may mean if you say that and instead of just being a lovely thing to say to somebody that you care about and who you value and in any of a number of ways, without having to, to imply something more than that. Yeah. So I blame Hallmark. Yeah, they've, they've Hallmarkified it. Yeah. I, the, what I was just writing down was, we need, we need more love words. I think, ideally, I mean, we don't. We have love as a word, and it, it's helpful. But it would be great, I think, if we had more ways of saying it. Mm-hmm to use across different contexts like hey i love you in this precise moment but that's not the same as like i love you forever mm-hmm. and if you cross me i won't love you because i'll feel bad or like oh this love is a product of like appreciation mm-hmm. or this love is a product of admiration mm-hmm. um it would be very helpful to have a, a like a more nuanced bundle mm-hmm. of words for that um, i just don't have it in english there are mm-hmm. in other languages you do have it yeah, I mean, I think also, like, there's a lot of other things that sometimes you in- encapsulate in love because there's no, like, you could say, like, I, I appreciate you for this and this, and that's... That's a strong thing to say. I like that. You know, like... Being told a... that you're being appreciated, right. it feels just as good as being told that you're loved. So right. if you are listening and you're, like, too scared to go and tell your platonic ex-co-worker, male friend, because you are... A, a female who's single and you don't want to give the wrong impression but you really want to tell this guy that you you know love him for something that he's done mm-hmm. um then use appreciate or value or yeah and if you have someone who you adore use adore that's a nice one as well oh what was that <laughs> you're so you're so cute um, yeah. So that about rounds up this chapter. This is actually not a long chapter. It is literally, <laughs> it is literally nine pages long. It hits on um, a lot of, I think it's, it's, it's just the jumping off point into getting into a lot of these deeper topics. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning. So I think we're. And we're going to leave it on migrate trademark TM me being like, there's only two times to say, I love you. Right. Right in that moment. And too late. And yeah, so I love you. <laughs> but love we you. do have a bit of extra time, so maybe we should just explain the structure of what we're doing now that we've figured it out. Okay. Okay, comment. Let's make a segue. Pages. 
books. <laughs> okay, so um, thank you for listening to this episode. Um, as we have a bit of extra time, I just want to explain uh, what we're doing and um, what you can expect from each episode. So in each episode, we're going to introduce, we're going to be going through one of the chapters of The Ethical Slut by, I can't say them. Oh, that's for me. Janet Hardy and Dossie Easton. Yeah, I can't say Dossie. Or Easton. Or Easton. It requires an accent that I don't have. Mm. Um, so this is a book that has um, 25, including, 25 chapters, including the conclusion. So there will be 25 episodes. Um, some of these chapters include exercises, and some of them ha- include terms that we will give you the glossary definition of. Um, there will be both of us in these episodes we do not read them and then we come to this this podcast and we we do read them but we read them separately yes that's right sorry we read them separately we come together and we discuss them uh-huh. it's unabridged we do not in any way edit these or pre-plan them it, really nothing honestly if you can't tell <laughs> um and we will begin every episode by letting you guys know where we are because we are a long distance couple usually 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 um, so, um, hopefully by the time you finish this season with us, we will have comprehensively gone through what is said to be one of the core texts of polyamorous and non-monogamous life. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are using the third edition, which has been updated and expanded. So if you want to read along, we encourage you to, mm-hmm. um, do you have anything to add? No, that was a, a really beautiful summary of what oh, we'll be doing. Thank you. Thank mm. you so much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we. I'm now reading the back of this. It's the 20th anniversary edition. That's when they made this. And it's the classic guide to polyamory open relationships and finding freedom in sex and love. I like it. Yeah. Okay, so that's us. Thank you for joining us. And um, we need an outro at some point, so we're going to figure that out. But for now. Let's just perfect. Bye. Bye. <laughs> you can find Polly Pages on Instagram at Polly Pages. And if you have any questions or comments for us, please feel free to send them to polypages at gmail.com. Our awesome intro and outro music is by Mint Green, and you can follow them on Instagram and Linktree at Mint Green Music. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Books. <laughs>